Welcome to One Moment Please, the podcast where our guests take a moment to tell their stories of how they've overcome adversity to achieve success, and you take a moment to tune in. So bring on the inspiration. Our guest today is Deb Smith. Deb is someone who took the leap of breaking away from the corporate world to live the dream of being on a farm. However, Deb leapt from a very sizable income to $0 income and had to build her own successful business from scratch to facilitate the farm dream. There is a profanity warning on this episode and also we do discuss all aspects of farm life, which includes dispatching of cows. So if you are a vegan or vegetarian, this is not the episode to listen to and we'll catch you again in the next episode episode so we are sitting at um on deb's farm at the moment tambo farm tambo farm and tell us a little bit about how you got here how you got to the farm life well it's a a long story actually that goes way back to my childhood because i've always had a dream uh to have a farm and i don't know why because i'm not from the country i've always been a city girl Mm -hmm. um But that has been my why and every decision I have made in life has been about how to get to the farm. And at every stage of every decision, I couldn't tell you what it was about that decision that contributed to getting to the farm, (laughs) but we have the farm. So uh, it's two years now that we bought the farm. Um, And to give some context about what we bought, we bought 97 acres of nothing, no power, (laughs) no water, no sewerage, nothing. Um, and we live in a, a shed, a barn that we fit out to live in and it's a pretty small space, but it's perfect for the two of us. And to be honest, it's going to be weird when we've got a house. Yeah. Cause the house you're building is big. Yeah. It's a four bedroom, two living area house, which makes sense to build because one day we're going to sell it and more than likely a family will want a decent sized house. So, but yeah, I think we're going to get lost when we have it. I'll buy it. I'll buy that. I might be too old. You might be too old by then. Don't age me. (laughs) We plan on being here for a while is my point. (laughs) Because you're – we've got uh, your husband Ian's out in the tractor at the moment doing some some land works at the moment. Moving rocks off our house site. Oh, is that what he's doing? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. Mm. So two years? Two years since we bought it. Um and hopefully next month we'll be building a house. So it'll be three years from buying to living in a house. And in the yeah. meantime, you're building up the property. You've got cows on here at the moment. We're doing all the infrastructure and we've got, yeah, cows and sheep and our packers just to manage the grass. Mm. Um, and we've done oh, a massive amount of infrastructure. We've done kilometres and kilometres of fencing because it had no fencing. They all got burnt down in some fires about five years ago. Because uh, that was why the property was on sale, wasn't it? Cause the- yeah, it had burnt down and um, the guy that owned it had, um, great story, Tats Lotto winner, can't read and write. He owned this property and he went and bought a motorhome and a big block of land and moved somewhere else because it was obviously traumatic for him to be here. Um, and he had to sell the place because Centrelink didn't want to give him money anymore because he had too many assets. Awesome story. <laughs> that is a good story, though. <laughs> <laughs> So that's how it came for sale. Um, so, yeah, so three three years it'll be until we're living in it. And I we live with a portable toilet at the moment, so I'm looking forward to a flushing toilet again. That's fine. It's the only thing that um, is a bit uh, archaic. But anyway. But you were going to go with a compost toilet and you decided on the flushing, that, that one that you've got at the moment. Yeah, because we thought eventually we'd hook the barn up when it becomes a B&B to the septic system. So seem nuts to go and spend all that money on a composting toilet if it wasn't going to be used long term. So you weren't always on the farm. It's only been three years. So Two years, two yeah. Two years. Okay, <clears throat> three years to the housework. Okay. Yeah. So two years. So what were you doing before? So prior oh. to that, we were living in um, in Melbourne, you know, 15 k's out of the city and um, doing the normal city life that everyone does. Um, and we, you know... My husband, live, uh, he works in Melbourne, but when we bought this, he spoke to his boss and negotiated to work from home four days a week. Lucky him. Yeah. Um, and for me, it didn't matter where I was based because um, I used to have an office in Kew, but I'm a mortgage broker. I travel around to people anyway. So as long as I've got somewhere to be based, it really didn't matter where. So it was easy, I suppose, in that regard. 
But you structured your life to enable this farm. You weren't always a mortgage broker. No, I wasn't. So the story uh, is that I've worked in the corporate world forever and um, done lots of different jobs. The last place I worked, I was there for, I think it was 14 years. Mm. Um, I did lots of different roles in that job and the last one uh, was a, an account director and it was an outsourced marketing agency which was constantly working under a lot of pressure. Uh, and I saw a lot of people come and go in that in that time that I was there that um, didn't like working under pressure. Clearly I did or I wouldn't have stayed there. Um, but I got to a point where uh, more and more work just kept getting loaded because they knew that I'd do it and they knew that I'd always deliver and Unfortunately, I got to a point where I just got burnt out and had to make a a big decision to do something different because <clears throat> I was done. And um, but I really didn't know what to do. And I'd I'd been looking at buying cafes and all sorts of businesses, but I I couldn't find anything that got me excited. And I have to love what I'm doing. I have to be able to wake up and get excited about what I'm doing. I think we had this conversation at one stage because. The listeners may now know that we actually know each other outside yes, of the podcast world. We do. But um, we, we, you were talking about car washes and anything, just, you know, what would be profitable and, and allow you yeah. to have this. Yeah, I was really open to doing something totally different. I I wanted to be able to have choices, I suppose, that I didn't have in corporate and I, I didn't mind what that was, um, but I just couldn't find anything that got me excited and... Um, Sadly, I got to a point where I did have a little bit of a breakdown and um, and that was the point where I knew that I just needed to make a decision and do something. Um, the question was, what the hell was that going to be? <laughs> and uh, I was talking to my brother who lives in Adelaide and um, he's a mortgage broker and he said to me, why don't you do what I do? You'd be good at it. You're good at sales. You're good at numbers. You love real estate. And he said, oh, you know, you're good at building relationships with people. You should do it. I reckon you'd be good at it. Now, the thing is, he's my twin brother and we buck heads a lot. <laughs> so there'd be a lot of reasons for me not to listen to him or take his advice. <laughs> but I got to a point where I kind of thought about it for a couple of days and, and I thought, you know what, I, I actually don't know what else to do. So fuck it. I'm going to do it. Um <laughs> So I went and looked into what I needed to do, what qualifications I needed to get, and um, I'd done a project at work, and I won't go into the semantics and all the bullshit about it, but I did a deal with uh, the company that I could have an additional couple of weeks of leave. And so I booked in all the courses that I needed to do in that two weeks of leave and pretty much busted my booty to get all the assignment work done and all the assessment stuff done. And I managed to get it all done in a three-month period, which when I look back is just crazy, but that's how I roll. If I want something, I'll make it happen. Um, So I went and got my qualifications and as soon as I'd gotten them, I resigned and I gave some stupid amount of notice because I care and wanted to do a good handover with all my clients. I think it was about four months and they never, ever did a handover and the clients never knew when I left. So I don't know why I did that, but anyway. Because you care. Well, I just wanted to do the right thing, you know. 14 years as well. Um, Yeah, you just um, work somewhere that long. You want to, you don't want to leave on bad, you don't want to leave on bad terms anytime. But Mm. I certainly, I I had relationships with clients that I'd had for six or seven years. I didn't want to upset them. I wanted to do the right thing by them. And it probably actually was more about my clients than it was about the company, to be honest. Um, So I left a really fat, juicy paycheck to... uh, working on commission 100%. <laughs> Scary. Oh, my God. It is probably the scariest thing I've ever done. What was the conversation that you – I mean, that's a big, juicy paycheck to commission only. That's – Zero. Yeah. <laughs> zero. That would be a big, fat zero. That's a really hard sell in yep. terms of for your husband. and. Yeah, and I think um, – I actually sold an investment property that I had because I thought at least then I didn't want to go into being under stupid pressure financially and I knew that, you know, I bought that property and it's all about utilising things to make choices and um, so I decided to sell that property and that gave us a big chunk of cash to whack on the mortgage and um, gave me some leeway, I suppose. And, And in my head, I 
I went, you know, if I don't make any money in my first year, I'm okay with that. If I don't make any money in my second year, I'll have a big problem with that. (laughs) And if I haven't doubled my corporate income by the third year, I'm going to be pissed off. Yeah. So that was kind of um, where my head was at. Um, And But there would have been other – I know you were saying that you didn't have an idea of what to go to and it was based on the conversation that you had with your brother, but there would have been other opportunities for you to go into other lines of work that would enable you the flexibility but – um, didn't have a zero <laughs> starting situation. Do you know? Yeah, of course. I mean, there's always a million choices that you can you can make. Um, one thing that I know about me is I'm good at what I do. And if I make a decision to do something, I will be successful at it. Mm. And I'm successful because I'm prepared to put the work in and make it happen. Mm. Not everyone's prepared to put the work in. And, and at the end of the day, as much as mortgage broking is about helping people get money to buy houses and all of that, it's also a sales job. You know, it's about building relationships with people and building trust with people and them trusting that you're going to enable them to get what they want to get. And I'm a good salesperson. I always have been. And I believe I am because I give a shit. Mm. Um, And I don't like letting people down. And, you know, I've worked in client service my whole life. It's about, you know, delighting your clients and and um, and then talking about you to other people and that's how I've always been that's how I've always been successful and when I've been in old jobs before I worked at um, the one I was at you know every single job I moved to if a client could move they came with me because they know that I would always give them amazing service mm. um, so in my mind I think I though I was shitting myself I'm not going to lie it's the scariest thing I've ever done mm. I knew that if I could get a client base started that they would help me build it and that's exactly what happened. Um, so I'm four and a bit years in now and I don't do any advertising and I'm 100% referral driven, which is amazing. And did you meet your goal of third year doubling your corporate salary? I've done better than that. Oh, well done. <laughs> so come my fourth year, I actually tripled my corporate income. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. Man. So, you know, not all of that's in your hand. You've got expenses when you're running a business, but my revenue, that's what it was. So uh, I haven't looked back. Don't get me wrong, I have my moments and there's certainly um, some massive advantages to knowing how much you're going to get every month in your bank account. Mm. But then, you know, some months I've tripled what I would have gotten in my bank account. So it's um, had I not, you know, started this business, we wouldn't have the farm. We wouldn't be able to afford to set up the infrastructure and everything that we've done because it's been my income that we've relied on to have that extra money to come in. And um, I work like a dickhead to get it, but I wouldn't have it any other way in reality. If I was working in corporate, I'd still work like a dickhead. So... It, it just is how I'm wired, I suppose. <laughs> you know that. Yeah, cra- crazy work, like it, work ethic. I do, I do. But I think also um, there's uh, a difference now, I suppose, when you're running your own business is I'm making a choice to do that. Mm. I'm making a choice to go out at night. I'm making a choice as to whether I want to do a Saturday morning appointment or whatever. I'm not doing it because I have to do it as part of my job. So when you're making the decisions and the choices – you don't ever resent or get pissed off because it's my decision. I don't have to do it. You know, the last few months I've been quite unwell with my health. And so I've made a decision. I'm not doing more than two nights out a week. Mm. Previously I'd be up four or five and I wouldn't care. But at the moment I just haven't got the stamina to do it. So, but what a nice place to be to have the choice to do that. Looking at the cows and the chooks and the. Yeah. And the- we're sitting right now while we're talking and I can see my cows over there on the hill. It's beautiful. <laughs> Now you're living my dream, Dad. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I tell you that every time I come. You I'm do, like, you do. Just... And I tell you, I'm older than you, so you've got time. I know. <laughs> doesn't feel like it, though. <laughs> I know. You want everything now. You're like me. I know. I'm very impatient. It's a good quality to have. Impatient? Yeah. Really? Well, in some respects. It's not when you're sick in hospital like I have been recently. That yeah. didn't work so well for me. But I do believe that impatience is a great driver to being successful because you keep persevering. If, if if you're patient, you can wait forever so things take forever. That's a good way of looking at it. Mm. So do you, think imp- do you think that there's a difference between impatience and perseverance or do you think that they go hand in hand? I think they go hand in hand. <laughs> they <laughs> do. They do with you. They do though, don't they? Yeah, I think so. 
Yeah. But I, I mean, impatience can also be your virtue. I mean, um, whilst I've been unwell, it's been incredibly frustrating because I've had to just use some acceptance, which I don't like to use very often, um, and accept that, you know, getting better is just going to take some time. Um, to me, you go put me in a, a prison cell because that's how it felt like I... Being in the hospital. Yeah. So you were on and off for a couple of weeks in hospital. Yeah, I did um, 18 days in hospital over two months. Mm. It's good effort. It's a lot of time for reflection. And it has been a good time for reflection and it's been really fucking frustrating trying to run a business too. So there's one of the cons. <laughs> um, you know... Though my clients have been incredibly patient um, and I've had a terrific person that works for me full-time and she's been amazing, but there's service levels that I like to provide and I haven't been able to provide those and that's been very frustrating. Yes, but you've been in hospital. I understand that, but that's not their problem at the end of the day. Hmm. They come to me because their friends have told them what fabulous service I provide, not a two-week wait when I normally give a 48-hour response. Mm. So... You know, people are understanding to a point if you tell them what's going on, but it's been um, very frustrating. But I went and visited you in hospital you and did. you had your printer there and your laptop <laughs> and you were still... So there wasn't much much downtime in the hospital, though. There was still a lot of work being done. There was a lot of downtime, actually. <laughs> I will correct you on that. However, uh, I did have my printer and my computer because... The person that works for me can't sign someone's loan application, only I can. Mm. <laughs> so um, actually it's funny, one of the biggest problems for me in hospital was I was incredibly ill but the doctors kept saying, but you look so well and, you know, they can see my printer and um, computer and actually one of the surgeons came in and said, oh, my God, you've got a whole office set up in here. <laughs> I said, well, you know, shit's got to go on, doesn't it? <laughs> I wouldn't know. There was a lot of sitting doing nothing. Mm. Um, and I'm not a person that will sit and watch TV. I didn't even turn the TV on that whole time that I was there. It doesn't interest me. But I do remember I uh, both rooms that I had had a, a window and the first stint was in Box Hill and the window view wasn't fantastic. But the second one was in Richmond and I had this fantastic view over Richmond and I'd sit and watch the birds fly by in the morning and what time the lights came on in the houses across the road and hot air balloons, you know, in the mornings. And it's, it's um, oh, I don't know what the word is to use. Reflective? Yeah. Cathartic? Yeah, all of that. Yeah. You know, it was, it was, I don't stop. You know, I'm like a Duracell bunny. I don't mm. have a stop button. I'm up at five and, and I don't stop or run out of energy generally till I go to bed. So... To, you know, I was doing laps of that bloody hospital and <laughs> I, I snuck out one day and got a pedicure. And your um, eyelashes done. And my eyelashes. They're very important. Um, <laughs> I did get a leave pass for the eyelashes. That oh, was allowed. Okay. The other one, I, I was a bit naughty. But, um, yeah, it's time to just sit and think about life and what's important and what's not important and um, recalibrate a little bit, I suppose, on what you're doing in your life and are you in the right place and are you doing the right things for where you want to be? So there was a lot of that going on. And what were the answers? Um, I think that uh, it's no surprise and you could probably have told me before, but I might need to slow down a little bit, just a little bit, go a bit hard. I think there just needs to be a balance. Yeah, I'm not good at that. No, but that's okay. Because I'm an all or none kind of girl. Yeah. <laughs> But anyway, well, I'll work through it. And, and I've certainly, um, you know, been very conscious of um, taking it easy and giving myself time to recover and not going too hard since I've been out of hospital. So I've actually been pretty good. I'm not working more than an eight-hour day the last week. But prior to that, I was doing afternoon naps and everything, which I would never do. After, with the, in between the hospitals and... Yeah, when I was out of hospital and, and it was just because I was so tired, you know, I'd, I'd get up early, but by 11 or 12 o'clock, I'd, you know, I'd go to work at maybe seven, four or five hours of work and I was just exhausted. And so I'd have to come home and have a nap. I love a good nana nap. Oh, I hate them. They make me cranky. They didn't this time because I was I so tired. I do know that about you. When you wake up, you get, re you're really angry. Cranky. 
But I haven't been because I think I've just been legitimately just, yeah. so tired. Yeah. And, you know, going to bed at six or seven at night, like it's just nuts. Yeah, that's really. Yeah. That's when you know you're really unwell when you're, yeah. That's true. So, yeah, this last week I've, I've been up to 8 p.m. No afternoon naps. Deb's back. Deb's coming back. I'm not quite there. <laughs> <laughs> Which is good. It's a good feeling. And you, you actually um, forget um, how important normality is to to have robbed what you're used to doing every day is actually a horrible feeling and just to be able to be at home and let the chooks out and feed the dogs and clean up dog shit or whatever it is like it's just you're normal and there's just so much to be said for that I missed normal (laughs) so it's good to good to be coming back and your husband was away at the time as well Uh through some of that well yeah the second stint um i had a conference in new zealand and my husband loves skiing i I don't i'm only because i'm hopeless at it um and so i said to him you know you go over early and um go over the saturday before the conference was on the thursday friday and and then we can have the weekend there together and um on the tuesday i went into emergency into the hospital and the conference was starting on Thursday, so I had a pretty good feeling I wasn't going to be going, but I um, I didn't actually tell my husband until I had to because I didn't want to ruin his holiday. I didn't want him to have to get on a plane and come home. He never gets to ski and he just loves it. So, um, yeah, so that was a bit of a bummer. I missed the conference and I won three amazing awards at the conference and couldn't be there and it was very disappointing. But what do you do? Mm. Health's got to come first. It's true. I think now, though, that that, that reflection and... I think that'll, knowing you, I think that it's probably going to come though, the more work-life balance. We'll see, hey? <laughs> Watch this space. <laughs> so what's, now you've got the farm and you've set set yourself up really in terms of living the lifestyle. What does the little girl, Deb, say now who had the dream? Do you know, it's funny because, um, I mean, it's amazing, but there's so much to do that I don't feel like I'm there yet. Because the dream is not just to have the farm. The dream is to have, you know, a function space and some B&Bs. So we're so far from, well, it feels so far from that. Um, But until I'm running that, I don't think it's going to feel fulfilled, to be honest. Like there's, in my head, and, and I've had this in my head for a long, long time, I can draw for you what this is going to look like in five or ten years, you know. And the plan is to retire. Um, I don't know if I'll sell my business or if I'll still work in it and have other people working. I'm not sure yet. Um, but the plan is to, you know, just be on the farm full time and run the B&B. And, and this is the thing. Like, this is my retirement plan. <laughs> like Still working, running a B&B <laughs> in a conference centre retirement. Yeah, like I, I can't imagine not working. I can't imagine not doing stuff that you know, that I get excited about. But, you know, we want to um, grow produce on the farm and we want to have a little cafe and, you know, or a spot that a small business could come with their management team and have a little conference. And, you know, we're only f- an hour out of Melbourne if you're not driving in peak and um, we're 45 minutes just to the north side. So it's very accessible. And mm. um, But, yeah, there's so much to do, Fiona. It's like Project City and it's all expensive stuff. <laughs> What's well, a good thing? You're such an amazing mortgage broker, so you're going to afford it. <laughs> Seems like I can never do enough, though. <laughs> so you, we talk about balance, right? But then to do what I want to do, I've got to work like an idiot to to finance it, you know. So, but it's all good. We'll get there. So the little girl's kind of happy getting there. Oh, I'm over the moon. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I'm over the moon. I mean, look at me. I'm living in a shed for God's sakes, and. I couldn't be happier. It's a pretty nice shed, though. I it mean, is. you have decked it out. Is it, when we say shed, guys, there's like a kitchen and there's a functioning bathroom and, you know, like it's... A, when you walk in, it is like a little house, but it's a shed at the end of the day. Yeah, the shell of it's a shed, but it's, it's a fully functioning, very comfortable yeah. house. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We're, and we are really comfortable here. And this, we did this the way we did it because this will become a and b yeah. So we wanted it to be nice. You know, you, when you go and pay to stay somewhere, you want to stay somewhere that's comfortable and cosy and nice. So, yeah, no, I'm over the moon. Um, I just, 
there's an overwhelming amount to do. <laughs> so, you know, considering we both work full time and and now we've got 97 acres to manage, it's a massive, yeah. massive job. It's a lot of work. Do you got the cows on there to help you manage the... Cows manage the grass. We came out and did a full... Um, how many were there? With the- 14 people. So 14 people came out and helped you with the tree planting working bee. That we was had- a really great day. There oh, was a was- full production line that was yeah, awesome. Yeah, it, it was great. Unfortunately, I was physically unable to plant myself, but I rallied everything around in my little quad bike with my little cart. <laughs> but, yeah, no, it was amazing. Um, and that's the thing, I think, with the farm is the magnitude of all the jobs. And because we've got a property that's got nothing, you know, we've got, I guess, more to do. But what I do love about that is we can create it the way we want to create it. And that was the whole thing about buying land and building and doing it ourselves versus buying a house that isn't really what you want and renovating it to be what you want to be, which is what we've just done in Melbourne. Mm. Um, So I hope the house turns out okay. It's really hard to tell drawings on a piece of paper. (laughs) I'm nervous about it. But, um, yeah, we planted 900 trees that day. That's good. Yeah, I was well, watching. You did. When I, when oh, no, I... the boys did. Where everyone else did, <laughs> and us ladies, we, we all did. helped. We did. But um, I was coming down the road, and I could see them all planted. How good like, does it yep, look? It looks so good. I know, and all the fences are up now. So um, the first week, one of the ends, we didn't have the fences up, and some naughty kangaroos came and just pulled the whole bloody tree out of the hole and nicked off with it. So we had to replace. We lost a few babies, but I think we haven't seen them for a while. Which is good. We welcome the kangaroos, just not to eat our trees. Well, when you first moved in, though, I think you've been very much embraced by the locals as well because you were complete city slickers, didn't know what you were going to do on the farm. And you had one of your na- lovely neighbours come up and help you, <laughs> greeted you. He thought you were rubber initially. Yeah, actually, he's here now helping us move rocks. Oh, is he? <laughs> um, no, look, do you know, we've been lucky. You never know. Um, I suppose it's no different to Melbourne. You never know what your neighbours are going to mm. be like. But um, what we have learnt here is that your neighbours are so important. Mm. And it is um, it is a more difficult life, I suppose, because a lot more can go wrong that you have to deal with, mm. you know. It might be cute that we've got some cows, but it's not cute when they jump a fence and knock it down. And, you know, um, we got a bonus calf a little while ago because one – pop next door for a while and there was a bull in there and we didn't know that there was a bull in there and but she was young though wasn't she the yeah cow? she yeah. was a teenager like we were very lucky that she had the baby and she was okay she could have died so you know and then some mornings I drive out someone else's cows out on the road and so you call your neighbor and go hey Kev one of your cows out on the road mate do you want me what do you want me to do you know so there's this amazing um sense of community and everyone's just willing to help everyone and um, it's been really nice. Our neighbours have just been amazing and we feel very, very lucky because I tell you what, we've done some things really well and we've fucking failed poorly with many others. Well, I think you've also learnt though to listen to the, the, the neighbours when they've got more experience. I think I remember a uh, chair and a cow situation. Oh, my God. So just to give some context to the people listening – we had, you know, some nice, cool aluminium chairs, white chairs. And, um, yeah, we just thought it'd be nice to leave a couple of chairs down by the dam so that, you know, it's quite nice sitting down there. And we were told that the cows are curious, but it was a chair. Like, you know, what were they going to do? I thought at worst they'll rub up against the chair. Neck minute. <laughs> this is before we lived here. We come over and the cow's got the fucking chair around its neck like if you can imagine (laughs) like kind of a round handle thing it's literally put its head through there and it's stuck and we're just like oh my god like they're not handled cows no i mean they're tame but then you know it's not going to come up and let me pull the chair off its neck and let me tell you it was pretty firm and so then i'm thinking oh my god someone's going to drive past and report us to the rspca like so every time we have an oh shit moment we call dave our neighbor god bless him and uh we don't have cattle yards yet but our neighbor pam again this is what i mean about the community you know she's got cattle yards and she backs onto our property and there's a gate between us so she's happy for us to to use her uh, cattle yard so 
we're trying to round up this damn cow. We ended up having just to round them all up and get them into a yard and then um, Dave and Ian ripped the chair off the poor cow's neck. But it's just like, what idiots are we? Like, seriously? <laughs> we got told don't leave things. Well, I think there was a... a- a bit of a bewildered conversation when you went to Dave and said, uh, Dave, there's a chair around one of our cows. Well, next. actually, the way I put it was that uh, our cows uh, seemed to like having some accessories and they thought that a chair was a piece of jewellery and they got it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and I think he laughed at me and said, you fucking idiot, I told you. <laughs> anyway, so you know what? We learn we learn a lot of hard lessons. <laughs> And it's just trial and error, I suppose. But it's um, it is amazing having neighbours that you know are just willing to help. Sense of country community. Yeah, and I think you know most of them came from the city at some point too, and people helped them. And so you know, hopefully one day we'll actually have the ability to help others. Well, Ian's <laughs> done his permaculture course now, so he has, and that's what you're doing the whole farm to permaculture principles. Yeah, exactly. So that whole um. You know, we want to be able to live off the land effectively and not have to rely on, you know, supermarkets and produce. And of course, we're going to have to still get some of it. But, you know, we'd like to be at a point where we can live off the land. And we have already uh, slaughtered a cow. We have a big freezer full of moo. Um That was an interesting experience. Well, Butcher did it. You didn't do it yourself. No, no. No, no, we didn't. The butcher killed it and skinned it and did all of that, but I watched all of it. Oh, goodness. Um, And, you know, it's – I mean, I'm an animal lover, but I'm – Now a farmer now. I know, but I – and I – you know, this is the thing, right? I cried. Like, when that cow got shot, I cried. Like, I hand-feed these cows. They're my babies. Um, And, you know, when we sold the other ones to market, I cried. Like, I'm pathetic, but – it's interesting we just go to the supermarket and we buy our stuff that's packed up or we go to the butcher and buy our meat and stuff and we don't ever think about where that cow or lamb or chook or whatever came from and what sort of a life it's had and the whole thing for me is I I don't have a problem eating meat and doing all of that but the thing that I really like about doing it from your own farm is I know everything about that animal from the moment it was born I know that it's had a good life right until the end. Mm. And, um, you know, there's something nice about that, uh, but there's a gruesome side to it and that is just a reality when you kill an animal. And I I think you are very correct that there's such a um, disconnect between the reality of where that package comes from in the supermarket, you know, that people don't associate that with once a living Mm. thing. And, And actually what's really interesting is, our neighbours were really shocked that we did it. They're like, you're going you're gonna to kill one of your own cows and eat it? And I'm like, you're going to go and buy food from a butcher in a supermarket and you don't even know where it's been? But your neighbours are also cow farms. Like they are. They all have cows and, and sell them at the market. But they don't eat their own. They buy it, Isn't which I, I find really interesting. Yeah. Edge to their own, I suppose. Um, one of my neighbours says, you know, he'd rather just buy the cuts that he wants. And I can I can understand that. Um, horses for courses, I suppose. Mm. <laughs> um, but I love the idea of knowing that that cow, when it got shot in the head, still had a mouthful of hay and oh, it was happy. It's very, it's very, it's confronting. Uh, it's very the description's very confronting. I think most elicitors just turned off. <laughs> it's a reality, though, yeah. and I and and this is the thing. I think you've got to face that reality. Like, and I watched it because I felt like I needed to respect that animal right till the end. Mm. I cried. I was a mess. The butcher was laughing at me. He's like, really? And I went, it's my boy. <laughs> you know, and, and that's the problem when you're an animal lover like me and you build this relationship with the animals. Mm. It makes it harder. But I won't change it. Well, I think they've been loved, you know, had that, mm. had that good life. And- I've hand-fed those cows, like... I'd, I'd buy apples for them every week to have a little treat. They love their apples. <laughs> I just, I'm an idiot. Yeah, but better be an idiot and love it and love what you're doing than, you know. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Mm. Yeah. And it's one small moment in terms of the farm life that's probably not the nicest moment, but it's sort of, it's one day that that, that dispatching happens and the rest of the day you've you've got them happy and... 
Exactly. And that's the reality. And, and whether it's me killing that cow or that cow going to an abattoir, I've killed a cow that was happy right till the end. And that cow that went to the abattoir would have had a ride in a truck that was stressful and then an experience at an abattoir that was stressful. Um, and I do believe that the meat tastes different as a result of that. I mm. don't have an adrenaline, adrenaline filled animal that's had mm. stress. Mm. It was happy right till the end. Oh, that's good. Oh, <laughs> goodness, I'm going to start crying in a minute. <laughs> I'm as bad as you when it comes to I that. I know. It's crazy, isn't it? Anyway. So you've got your bees now too? We've got beehives um, and we've got some chooks and three dogs and three cats. and It's a full menagerie. Yeah, I'd like to add to it, but um, it's all time and fencing and all of that stuff. So. What would you add? Uh, I want to get some pigs, a couple of pigs. <gasps> Pigs are yeah. one of – they are my favourite animal. Um, pigs are crazy intelligent. Yeah, they really are. Um, They're so, very popular for animal, like for pets over in the States, but not so much here. Well, there's the whole in inverted commas miniature pig that's not generally really a not a miniature. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'd like to get a couple of um, – they're called a Berkshire or Berkshire pig, Good depending bacon. on how you pronounce it. Two little black pigs called crackles and bacon and <laughs> Is that like all your cows are called t-bone <laughs> no cows have got all black singers names <laughs> because they're they're black angus they're cows, black angus cows. Okay. yeah um and we just thought that would be fun and you know here's an example of how stupid i am and the neighbors laugh at me because they all have ear tags with their names on them right and they just look at me and go jesus dude instead of numbers so normally they have a, like a number oh, no, they have the number two because you have to have that legally but i have a second ear tag with their name on it the neighbors just laugh at me they think i'm crazy why don't you just write the name on the original uh because it's like a little disc you can't oh yeah so there's a, a disc that's like a magnet that gets scanned when they go to the um you got to have them registered and everything it's a bit of a process, a lot to learn about that stuff. Who would have known that you need to have a tag on your cow that's got a number on it with a magnetic field so it can be scanned when it goes into an abattoir? No one knows this stuff. No. But the other tags are just to label your farm, but I name them. But, um, yeah, with the with the um, the pigs, um, and, again, that's, you know, we'll breed them to eat the pork and eventually when we have our little cafe we'd like to sell some of the meat and stuff as well and there's another process you've got to go through for that too so um but yeah their little piggies are smart they uh they're escape artists because they're highly intelligent so i didn't realize i was escape artists oh bad really yeah yeah so you got to have um some really good electric fencing and um you know they need shelter and infrastructure mm. so yeah, I have to put my patient pants on on that one. Same with the goats. I want some goats. <laughs> so um, Goat eyes freak me out. Yeah, I know. Goats can be weird. Because they've got rectangle pupils. Yeah, they're weird. Yeah. But I'd like to get the miniature goats because they'll, like, walk around like a dog. My husband's got a friend in Sydney that has a pet miniature goat that's inside <laughs> the house, toilet trained everything. Of course he does. Yeah. Oh, they're so cute little clip-clop, clip-clop. <laughs> Uh, little cute little hoofs. Oh, goodness. Mm. So, um, yeah, I have to be patient with some of that stuff. So you made the big transition from the cushy corporate, well, not cushy, but in terms of having a paycheck every <laughs> Yeah, every cushy month. paychecks. Cushy paychecks, mm-hmm. high stress. To create your own stress to live the life that you wanted. Mm. Any regrets? None whatsoever. Oh, don't get me wrong. I've had moments where I've gone, what the hell was I thinking? Quite a few of those. And I have moments where clients stick you around and shaft you and you go, what am I doing this for? But I don't think I'd change it. I think that all of those things that happen and the difficulties that you endure, they make you a better person. Um, And yeah, I just love it. I'm I'm so happy and I I just never knew that I could be this happy, you know. Um and yeah, I got my farm. It's awesome. I think I think if you had I think if you took more time for reflection, I think that you would be surprised how happy the little 3-year-old girl was is. Yeah. I oh, know, I know I am. Don't get me wrong. Like I 
you know, when you have a long day and I have an evening appointment and it's summer and I drive home and I'm driving into the driveway at 8.30 at night and I've been at work since 6 o'clock in the morning and I'm wrecked and I've had to drive home 45 minutes or whatever from my appointment, there is this incredible ah as you drive in. It's like, I don't know, it's like you enter into a new zone and everything else has gone away and doesn't Completely matter anymore. Completely decompress. Yeah. Mm. And um, and I try in the mornings, most mornings, um, we've got some egg chairs out under our veranda and I like to go and sit in the egg chair and just... Egg chairs are the shape of the chair rather than the for the eggs from the chickens. Yes, you idiot. <laughs> and so I liked... <laughs> I can't believe you said that. Well, I was trying to explain that to people that <laughs> Everyone knows what an egg chair is. Um, I like to just sit and look over the hill and, you know, some mornings are frosty and icy and... Some mornings are blowing a gale and some are pissing with rain and some are just still and warm and you get such an extreme contrast of what you experience in the city Mm. compared to being on a a farm. And every morning, it's only five minutes, but just kind of centres me for the day and I just have this incredible moment of gratefulness that, you know, we've been able to do this and we've got this. So... Um, yeah, there's definitely something happens when you drive through those gates. Mm. Just new it's world. It's magical, isn't it? Yeah, it's amazing. And and it's funny, so many friends come up from the city and um, and they experience the same thing. The tree planting day was a classic. Like for us, we were like, oh, my God, this is hell. We couldn't believe how many people said, yeah, we'll be there and said we want to come back, which is awesome because we're going to plant another thousand trees next year. <laughs> So, um, is it on the flat? The gully was a bit of a. Yeah, they'll be flattened where we're doing them. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it, it is a special place. And, um, you know, friends love coming and we love having people here. We love it when they come and visit and having a, a fire outside. And, you know, it's just, it's a special place. We love it. I'll come and camp in the summer. You're welcome to sleep inside as well, but you can camp. <laughs> well,. In, here, in the studio, in here. Yeah, look, with no, a spare no. bed. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Go down near the dam and feel like you're in the Never Never. Little, yeah. yeah. Little Nova, it'd be awesome. Yeah. So plug your mortgage broken business. Ah, yes. Well, so uh, smartline.com.au slash Deb S for Smith. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so mortgage broke all over Melbourne. I, I do have an office set up in Wallen just because it's convenient to home. It's 10 minutes and I think often most mornings I see three cars and about 10 kangaroos. Um, so it's easy. Living the life. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, referral-based business. So um, I must be doing something right. And I do pride myself on how hard I work for my clients and the service and not just a transaction to get a mortgage but ongoing service and reviewing their rates every year and making sure the banks are kept honest. And, um, yeah, so uh, you want me to give my phone number or something? Whatever you want to plug. I'm so bad at Go promoting nuts. myself. Go nuts. Um, so 0411 Deb Smith. So it's smart line in, in Wallen. But don't be um, put off by where I'm located. I've got clients in Melbourne and all around Australia and now I'll blow it up myself a bit. So yeah, I've just yeah. run one a franchise of the year award, oh, uh, wow. which is very exciting. And was that one of the three awards that you won in? Yes, and a in? high achievement award for the amount of business that I've done. And then this is the one I'm really proud of, and it's a client service award. And the client service award, um, you have to have a minimum number of surveys per annum, and you have to get a, I think a rating of four point nine as a minimum Out as of well. Five. Yeah. So. Um, uh, I don't ask people to fill out surveys. I let them do it if they want to do it. And so that to me is what I'm proud of. And I've won that three years in a row now. So um, oh, pressure's on like just to get it every year. <laughs> but um, yeah, so that's me. And um, yeah, so if you need a mortgage, call me. <laughs> or if you want to review your mortgage. Or if you want to review your mortgage, call me. Yeah, or if you want an investment property, whatever. If you just need money for a house, just call me. So why, what's the benefit of going to a broker compared to just going directly to the bank? Um, mainly choice. We've got um, 30-something lenders that we can look at. Um, but I think at the moment we live in a world that, Jesus, it's tough to navigate mortgages now. And 
banks have appetites for different types of business at different times, depending on they have to have portfolio balances now and all sorts of stuff. So I suppose the the beauty is once we understand your situation, we know where to go um, because that's we know the policies and we know what, what banks want what. So, you know, often I have first homeowners that think they'll do an online application and then get rejected and they don't understand why and as soon as they tell me what happened I go well I know why because that bank doesn't do that Mm. so um it's a free service why wouldn't you use it Mm. uh we do all the work for you you've just got to give us your paperwork and off we go so it makes life easier it's free for the person getting the mortgage but you do get a commission from the bank correct so the banks pay us a commission um and um we have to pay that back if you leave that bank within a two-year period. So <laughs> there's rules around it. But, um, yeah, I have that conversation with all my clients and I'm really transparent about how I get paid and how it all works. And, um, yeah, it works well. So what's been the changes that you've seen in the industry since the Australian Royal Commission? Oh, God, they started before that. In fact, six months in when I started, that's when the changes started. Um you know, investment lending changed. They started pulling back what they were prepared to give. Living expenses were under the radar. They'd never been looked at before. Um, so I probably came in at the worst time um, in an industry that was about to just be pulled apart. And then, of course, the Royal Commission has happened. Why do you think they were doing that before the Royal Commission? Um, because they were already under the radar before the the Royal Commission happened. Um and a lot of people don't understand this. They think everything changed when the Royal Commission came in. Well, that's not the case. Like ASIC were all over the industry. And, um, yeah, I mean, look, to be honest, a lot of their changes are better. I mean, they're more responsible. Banks were lending way too much money that, mm. you know, to me it was digging a hole for people just to sink, you know. And and I have this conversation all the time with my clients, like what sort of a life are you going to live if your mortgage is that big and is that the life you want to live? And what if someone lost their job? What position would that leave you in? And are you going to have a baby and how are you going to afford it when one person's not working and all those things? Because to me, um, my goal is to help them pay their mortgage off. I don't want to be refinancing another 30 years five times in the life of their loan and make it a 40-year loan term. No one wants that. But a lot of people don't actually understand how that works and so – I think that's one of the things that's a real strength for me is I'm really transparent about that stuff and I want people to understand the decisions they're making and what it's going to cost them to make those decisions and how to make the decisions to still get a good outcome but be smart about it and not cost too much money for them. So, yeah, I I think the banks are being more responsible. Some of the things they're doing, I can't get my head around them. They make no sense and probably one of the most frustrating things is there seems to be no common sense anymore (laughs) it's about ticking boxes for them and so as a broker it's about understanding how we can tick those boxes and get the outcome that the client needs to get Mm. so more paperwork oh my god (laughs) (laughs) look there's little things (laughs) (laughs) there's little things that I do for my clients to try and make it a bit easier like I have a a paid service where I can give them a link and they log into their banking and it automatically sends me all their statements so they don't have to sit and pull out 35 bank statements and transaction reports and they love that and I don't have a problem paying for that because then I get what I need as well and it's quicker for everyone. Um, So I try and do as much as I can and make it as easy as possible but, yes, there's going to be some paperwork. What you have to provide today versus what you provided four years ago is chalk and cheese And the banks are literally sitting, going through bank accounts now, pulling out direct debit, saying there's $5 a week to this. What is this? You know, Um, it's just like, oh, my God. And things like Afterpay and ZipPay and all of those things that have come in now, they're treated as ongoing debts. And a lot of people don't actually understand how that all works. They really, um, I think, detrimental to people's credit ratings, really, because they don't understand that they're entering into that contract. It's like a credit card. Um, And what people have to understand is the banks are running credit reports. They can see everything. And um, since this open banking came in, you know, they they can see not only that you've got a credit card, they can see if you're not paying your credit card on time. Really? I didn't know that they could do that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, and it's coded. So if you're 30 days late, 60 days late, 90 days late, and it's two years history on the report. 
Wow. So as an example, I had a uh, client a little while ago that is quite well-to-do, earns a fair bit of money. You know, they've got a $4 million property, so that gives you an idea of profile. Uh, We moved them from NAB to CBA. Um, Now, there was a time where you just automatically got a credit card. That's not happening anymore. They rejected his credit card because he had two occasions that he hadn't paid his credit card at the time. Well, more than 30 days late. More than 30 days late. And he just forgot to do it. I think people don't realise that you can do, you just fill out a form and it will do an automatic take it out of your account every month. You never have to deal with interest and you never have to deal with being late. And Mm. He just forgot, like legitimately forgot. Uh, He now can't get a credit card with any credit provider. So he's going to stay. Which will do him good. <laughs> but he, he still got his with the with the NAB originally. No, he cancelled it because he <gasps> thought, oh, well, I'm moving to CBA, so I'll cancel it. Oh, no. Uh, okay. Yeah. Lesson learnt. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's much harder to get a credit card these days, which is a good thing because mm. they were giving them out like lollies. <laughs> yeah. Well, Australia's got one of the highest household debts in the world. Yeah. So. I've met clients that have 80 grand available in credit card. Available or Available. in debt? Oh. Or, and in debt. Yeah. yeah in fact, I met a couple the other day that with personal loans and credit cards had $149,000 in debt and it's gotten so out of control they're actually having to sell their house to pay them off and start again. Yeah, that's... That's out of control. What, what bank thinks that's okay? To be able to do... To be a, Deb's pointing at something. What are you pointing at? I think my husband's about to come inside. Oh, that's okay. We can wrap it up. <laughs> <laughs> so how do they get hold of you? Uh, so you can go onto the website and send an inquiry. So smartline.com.au slash Deb S for Smith. Um, or call me 0411 Or I guess you can email me Debs, D-E-B-S at smartline.com.au. Fantastic. Thanks, Deb. Thank you. It's been fun. Yeah, let's go feed the cows. That's more fun. yay. (laughs) See you later, guys. Bye. Thanks for taking a moment to listen, everyone. We hope this episode inspired you as much as it did us. If you know somebody who also needs a little inspiration, then please share this podcast with them. Also, don't forget to subscribe on your fave podcast app and rate and review us because that helps inspire us to keep making them. 